What did the creator of Vaseline eat until his dying days? Is the question that I will answer by the end of the show. Hello and welcome to another episode of The More You Know Mondays. The more you know, the more you grow. And this week on the show, I am talking about Mansa Musa. And for a lot of you out there, you probably won't even know who this person is, but I will get more into that a bit later on. But for now, you know what we have to do. We have to start this episode and this week or whenever you listen to this episode, just start off this moment or this this moment of engaging with some positive affirmations. So I would like to welcome back my returning listeners. Thank you for coming back. And any new listeners, this is episode seven. Wait, no. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, sorry. This is episode seven. (laughs) Excuse me. And the previous episode was episode six, where I was talking about the internet. So if you want to check that out, there's episode six and episode five and all the other episodes to check out before this. So go on, give that a gander or, or a listen. And what we like to do here on The More You Know Mondays is we like to start, as I was saying, the episode with some positive affirmations. And I do that in the form of a quote. This week's quote is i couldn't find the author of who this was by but it goes like this you are beautiful never forget that in a world of 1.1 billion people there is only you so take care of you because the world needs you And this quote is hugely, immensely motivational and positive for me because, you know, we can take it into parts, starting with the first line, you are beautiful. I think that is a a very good starting point because in a world where beauty is so subjective, um, uh, it's kind of hard to believe that you're beautiful in a world where people that look like action men and Barbie dolls are, perce- are perceived as what it is to be beautiful, you know? And hearing the words, you are beautiful, not that it helps, but you, you need to know that this is true. Like, beauty is... a uh, an asymmetric quality and is also aesthetic like it's something that we see so beauty is in the eyes of the beholder so whoever sees you can decide that what they're seeing is beautiful or not you may not agree with what they're saying but they are seeing you and what they see is beautiful but you can't uh, you know and the craziest thing for me is that 
beauty can be uh, acquainted to just one thing, and that one thing is widely unattainable from uh, the common person. So, you know, because I don't look like... uh, Tyson Beckford or Brad Pitt or Angelina Jolie or uh, Christina Aguilera um, or uh, I don't know I can't think of any more names those are the first ones that rattled off the top of my head other than like rappers or actors uh, I I don't know like like because I don't look like people who are models or people who are held in high esteems, then I'm not beautiful. And that's a hundred percent not true. Beauty is not just an aesthetic thing as much as it is seen as the most important part of beauty in this modern world. Beauty is also the things that you do beauty is the people uh, your kindness or your generosity or uh, the things you do beauty is not just what you look like it's also how you lead your life uh, and how you share your love you know beauty is a lot of things and it's not just one thing and that's what i think gets most mistaken nowadays so to anyone out there who is listening to this you are beautiful (laughs) and the next line yeah like i said never forget that that's why i had to go into depth and yeah everyone you are beautiful and there's so many people in this world like it's it kind of gets hard for you to kind of still believe those things or maybe it's hard to hear if you're hearing it like it it shouldn't be um and that's why because you are beautiful you are something that's special and everyone in this world every single one of us every um, i don't know if there's still 1.1 billion people maybe there's more there's probably definitely more (laughs) um uh but Every one of us is special, unique. Every single one of us, there's something that's someone, there's something that I can do that maybe no one else in the world can do. I maybe don't know what that thing is right now. Um, or maybe that thing that doesn't come to the top of my head, but it's the same for every single one person. Like there's something, there's an aspect about you or something you can do, or there's something that makes you unique and special to why the world needs you. Like (laughs) with there's being so many people in the world, there's so many unique qualities that we all have that we don't, uh, pay attention to and those are our beautiful qualities the, the things that we that, that uh, make us unique and special that we don't delve into because of the, most of the time people might be like well what's the point there's so much other things out there there's this guy or there's that guy or there's this person or there's that girl there's 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 all these other things that are pulling me back or holding me back like because but why 
I don't understand it. Well, I do understand it to an extent, but don't let it be the thing that holds you back. The fact of you not loving yourself, taking care of yourself and believing that you're beautiful and the things that you can do could change the world. I mean, I don't, I can't tell the future, but I do know that unless you do something, you won't know what you're capable of doing. If you just sit there and think about it, talk about it, and the world and time is passing you by, but nothing is actually happening, then you're not really affecting anything. But the moment you start doing something, that's when you start affecting the status quo, which is what what it what it used to be. And now you're affecting that, you're attacking that. You're like, well, no, I don't believe that things should play that way. Let's try it a different way. But you don't see it in my vision yet. Hmm? All right, cool. Let me do this and see how far I can go until you see what I'm doing. And you see it with like musicians that like, uh, they maybe you for for our vision it seems like they come out of nowhere but they've been when you look at their journey they've been putting in work for years and it's only now that they it looks like they've come out of nowhere because they're now in the public uh circumference for everyone to see but they've been they've been putting their dues in they've been putting their work in and because they put their work in now they're able to reap the benefits of them putting their hard work in all those years so now you can see what they're doing but i hope that gives you motivation and uplift in this trying time you know because i think it's something that we all need you know we need to see ourselves as beautiful beings and creatures and do beautiful things instead of things that make us ugly because it's the things that we do more than what we look like that makes us ugly people never forget that and that is where i will leave monday's affirmations um and then we will go on to the main event Mansa Musa. Who is he? Now, uh, until maybe, uh, maybe a couple of weeks ago, I was, I'd heard the name and maybe seen the image in places after I'd done some research. I was like, well, I've, I've seen this in places, but I didn't really know much about who he was or, and this, over this, the last couple of weeks, while I've been finding out about him, he is, <laughs> he is the richest man in human history. Just put it that way. Like his, 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 uh, net worth isn't something that can be completely, uh, dumbfounded into a figure 
completely, but they can estimate that his worth was about $400 billion. I think it was in, like, the most from most of the research, but I, I know pounds. <laughs> but, yeah, let's say 400 about $400 billion he was worth, or maybe more. And it, he lived in about... Uh, he was born in the year... 1280 so that's like over 800 maybe yeah over 800 years ago he no over 700 years ago nearly 800 years ago he was born and he was called Mansa Musa because he was the 10th Mansa which is basically uh the term that is used given to like uh the ruler emperor or conqueror of the empire see um so his full name was musa kita and he was alive during the middle ages he is known to be one of the richest men in human history i say this because of obviously the amount of money he had but it's not just the money it's more than the money is what he did like what i was talking about before like the things he did his generosity his actions um he had a a very good base in knowledge and what he built in africa uh, and the trajectory that Africa could have been on, uh, if I guess Europe didn't get jealous and want to know the source of his wealth. Um, but we'll get more into that once we get there. But I just wanted to make a point that kind of through my research, what I found is Mansa Musa Although he was very well liked, he was, he had some haters. And you see that a lot. There's a correlation with that because with nowadays, like rich people, there's a lot of people that love these rich people or are envious of this rich, these rich people or want to study these rich people to see how they made their wealth so that they could do the same, the same for themselves. But then on the flip side of that coin, there's also people that see this person who has that wealth and wants to take it away from them because for whatever reason in their warped mind they believe that uh they don't deserve it and i i don't know i say warped mind maybe i've overspoken in that saying that um not warped mind but in their their mind they believe that that person doesn't doesn't deserve their wealth and so they believe it so much so that not that it's just a belief and a thought they they do something about it and they try and take it from them. So this story of Mansa Musa is, is no different, but it, it comes from a very humble beginning. So I would like to start with that. So Mansa Musa, um, became the ruler of the Mali empire in 1312, but it's, uh, I think it's important to 
make a point to say that uh, he wasn't of any royal lineage. Um, his father is was not a king before him uh, and holds no kind of significance in history like uh, Mansa Musa does. But he was appointed to be the next in line for the throne when the previous king of the Mali Empire, um, Al-Bakar II, um, they, he went on his voyage, uh, to see the edge of the sea, of the Atlantic Ocean. Um, and in their, in their tradition around that time, uh, what it was is the king would appoint someone as their deputy when they went on long voyages or long trips. And uh, if that trip turned out badly and the king never returned, then the person who was appointed the deputy, they would become the king. So Albuquerque the second, he went on his voyage to see the, uh, see how far the Atlantic Ocean went. And unfortunately, he never returned from his voyage. Uh, the people that did return from the voyage were a few, uh, stragglers that tried to tell the story of how, um, there was this big whirlpool that dragged in all this, all the king's, uh, boats and everything. And that was the reason why he never returned and they did. And they only just managed to scrape their way in. But when, uh, Musa, found them and they saw them he he didn't really believe their story so i think he um dealt with them accordingly like th this was medieval time so it wasn't probably prison it was probably uh brutally uh killing them probably but those were the times i i can't uh really comment with my uh domesticated life now <laughs> in 2020 uh, i can just uh, observe the, uh, the facts of the history. Um, well, I can comment. I mean, it is, it's obviously not right, but it, it is what it is. It, it was what it was back then is what I mean. So when Ma uh, Musa took over, he became the 10th Mansa of the Mali Empire. And what he did with this power was well he did what i mean any man that wasn't from the crown like a imagine like someone like you that you're not superly money hungry um you're a god-fearing man uh you don't have to believe in religion in this a hypothetical scenario though it is um probably an important point or fact to say that Mansa Musa he was a devout muslim um but at the time uh, africa was a, a predominantly islamic country but it's also important to say that although he was muslim he didn't enforce his religion on any of his people or his followers they were free to believe whatever they believed he just that was him 
which is nice, you know, because uh, you might see a lot of people throughout history and rulers and they believe a certain thing and they believe that their people have to believe the same things that they believe. Otherwise, they can't work in uh, complete synchronization. But this was in the thir- this was in the 1300s and Mansa Musa was running the Mali Empire and he believed that people are free to believe what they want. I, I believe this and I do things a certain way. But people are who they are, which is nice, you know. Not many people or histor- not many people throughout history are quoted or seen as being maybe so not nice because being a ruler of a country or a king it comes with you having to make tough choices you having to be uh, a leader of militaries or um unfortunately have to uh kill people that ha- that uh threaten your what you own or what you stand for but that's what comes with being a leader i guess of an empire and it's also an interesting point in history i think because the time of mansa musa's rule was kind of around the time when in europe they were having quite a different turn of events like in Europe they were having you know struggles due to like massive civil wars and lack of resources and the Mali Empire on the other hand and Africa in a whole was flourishing on natural resources and uh, maybe minimal civil wars and peace for what a better way of looking at it and Europe combated that by I guess the only way I can logically look at it as stealing the wealth from Africa I mean you can put it you can look at any way that you want to but I guess that's the only way that it looks like it because directly after I'm getting ahead of myself in this, uh, but directly after the fall of the the Mali Empire, it comes the colonization from Europe of Africa, and then we know what that turns into. And then years, years later, seven, eight hundred years later, we are here now in 2020, and we're still affected by the repercussions of back then (laughs) it's crazy but anyway like i said i'm getting ahead of myself so during the time period in the mali empire the reason why it flourished so much is because of obviously the the ample amount of natural resources that they had such as gold and salt now under the rule of Mansa Musa and his I don't know what to call it gigantic empire that started in Mali but then 
ended up spanning over quite a lot of West Africa. So the Mali Empire span over what is now seen as modern-day uh, Maritana, Senegal, Gambia, Guinea, Banica Faso, Mali, Niger, Nigeria, and Chad. So that's how much land that he owned. Which is crazy to think about in, in modern days because the richest men that we now know are people like Jeff Bezos and um, Bill Gates. And Mansa Musa is like maybe four or five times richer than Jeff Bezos. And I think I was doing this interesting comparison before the episode where I was thinking that Okay, Jeff Bezos is, uh, I don't know, he's got maybe $150 billion. But Jeff Bezos is rich off the backs of us. We buy things from Amazon, which makes Jeff Bezos richer. And the difference between Mansa Musa and Jeff Bezos is maybe that although... Mansa Musa's wealth comes specifically from the natural resources of the earth and how he was able to distribute that wealth and keep it, but not just keep it, control it. And that's the key thing. He controlled his wealth so well that he was able to amount so much and it was through maybe, I guess, the source of his wealth was a combination of luck, uh, good business moves, knowledge, because he was a key investor in knowledge and learning and education. And then also just the fact that he was a person. He, he didn't come from uh, any, I guess deceitful background there was no ulterior motive with him now becoming being having this much power he just wanted to see how much he could how far he could go with it it also kind of explains a lot of things like about why there's so much wealth in africa because it's natural resources of wealth is what they have. And the reason why uh, places like Timbuktu and parts of the Sahara Desert are so popular is because he made these places trading hubs where they would trade gold and salt. And th that that's what made the influx of people want to be there because they wanted to trade with him but the the most uh i guess pinnacle part of his not even pinnacle because he did so many things and i'm only going to mention maybe some of the few things and there's leaving their space for you to look into other things that he had done but <laughs> so 
it wasn't until 1324 that the world outside of Mali would get a glimpse of who this king is and his extensive wealth is really the eye opener for most people and most historians because obviously because it's so far away or far back in history that this happened it's uh, there's not a lot of uh a lot of the history about him is written in history books or uh, audibly from historians but i guess the most pinnacle part that made put mansa musa on the map literally on the map <laughs> was the catalan atlas and this depicted a picture of mansa musa holding a nugget of gold in one hand and i believe a staff of some sort in the other hand and he was on the map and th- this is an important part of uh, medieval history of map taking notoration because um, it depicts the world of what it looked like and Mansa Musa was on it along with the Mali Empire and this wasn't made or put together until 1375 so anyway I, I, I'm way ahead of myself we haven't even got there yet but I think this is just an important, interesting fact about the great King Mansa Musa. Or just saying Mansa Musa because Mansa means emperor. So it's like saying King Musa. But in his lifetime, like to put it into quantification, I guess, uh, Mansa Musa conquered about 24 cities or more and also another fun fact he was never beaten so he never lost any of the he 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 (laughs) i'm getting stumbled over my words just thinking about it It, because it's mind-boggling he conquered all these all these places and he was never beaten not while he was ruling. So it, it was defeated after he finished ruling. That is crazy. He never lost a battle. So it wasn't until 1324 when the world outside of Mali's borders would kind of fully get a glimpse of the king's wealth, as I was saying before. And the reason for this is because Uh, Like I said before in previous speaking, (laughs) um, uh, Mansa Musa was a devout Muslim and a major figure in the Muslim community. And uh, a part of... uh, A big part of uh, the words of the Quran is that as a Muslim, every Muslim, every able-bodied Muslim must take, set off on a journey to Mecca. Uh, And Mansa Musa was an able-bodied Muslim, like everyone else. 
So, and with him being so devout to his beliefs, he too took on, took out on a pilgrimage to Mecca. And this is the part of the story which kind of, <laughs> this is crazy. He went out, like, like I said, this is one of the parts that kind of shows away or shows off the reason why he is most definitely the richest man in human history so far. And I say human history. We've, this is since he's been alive for 800, over 800 years ago. No one has come close to the amount of money that he had or he. Yeah, it's crazy. It's just crazy. Just thinking about even talking about is crazy. Um, and he set out on his pilgrimage to Mecca uh in style because he is a king and he travels in style and he was traveled in all the finest garms and everyone that uh traveled with him was was walking in silks garms and he didn't travel alone on his journey like i said everyone that traveled with him on his voyage which probably spanned an estimate of about 4,000 miles and it probably took him overall from like end to end about two years to complete because obviously it wasn't modern day transportations it was horseback and camelback so well, I think he was horseback though so he it took a long time to travel 4,000 miles but he did it and he traveled with the hugest human caravan in history, um, which included about 10,000 soldiers and slaves and heralds who were all dapped, dappered out like in Persian silks and carrying golden staffs. Like, <laughs> so you you could have been poor in the Mali Empire, but you still had gold, like gold bars, like golden staffs. <laughs> like that is like the mentality that that him and his people had. Like wealth starts at home, and if me as the king, if I do not accost my people the quality of life that they deserve, then I don't deserve to be their ruler. And he, it, I, I found it interesting to see that through reading what I was from my readings that even there was an Arabic traveler that passed through the Mali empire. And he even said, stated that there, it was a peaceful place. Like, it's, it's written in history that the Mali Empire was a safe place to be living. Like, people from all over Africa would come and trade and live in peace. And the reason why there was minimal crimes and people committing them is because criminals were dealt with so violently that people who had any sense thought well 
it's, there's no real point me being a thief because I'm going to lose my life. So I might as well live this prosperous life that the king has afforded for me because he, he, he doesn't have to give me gold, but he does. And he's a, and everyone lived on, I guess, I guess maybe there was a, a, a hierarchy of some sort, but maybe not in the common way hierarchy that we see it now. Like he was higher because he was the king. He was the mansa of the people. Like what we see is the government less so as the monarch because the monarch is in our country nowadays is just a figurehead and it's the government who has the real ruling power over what happens to the people um and in that sense it's it's kind of interesting looking back at it but on his journey on his pilgrimage to mecca uh, it was it's important to say that everywhere he went he would give out gold and and his camels and his slaves and heralds were all holding and carrying gold gold bars and gold dust that he would give out to the less fortunate in different towns and cities that he passed on his pilgrimage um he passed through cairo and the uh, king of Egypt at the time, um, he was quite reluctant to meet with him. And he was trying, to, Mansa Musa was trying to just pass through humbly because the main, I think from a lot of the research that I found, the main reason why he didn't want to meet up with the ruler of Cairo was because uh, the greeting method that he had was for people to greet the king by kissing their f kissing his feet and Mansa Musa felt that him kissing another king's feet was beneath him so he kind of absconded and avoided this for many many times but there was uh a, a herald that was sent to him that pestered and pestered and obviously until he agreed and at points probably uh, uh, sent him uh, said they were going to attack you know if, if he didn't meet the king and after some time he did meet the king and there was a bit of a I guess a kerfuffle at the beginning because Mansa Musa didn't feel comfortable 100% kissing the, the other king's feet, but he did it in the end. And after that was sorted, they ended up having a very, uh, I guess, prosperous relationship with trade and whatnot. But I, I think the most important thing that happened when he passed on his pilgrimage through Egypt was that because he gave out so much gold to the the less fortunate and the people around and just buying souvenirs and spending his gold in every place that he went to because he did that so much so he there was so much gold in Egypt that he devalued the price of gold and 
it was so bad that he created a recession in Egypt alone that they didn't um, come back from for almost 12 years. Like, can you quantify that? Like, the last recession that the world saw, and let's, I'm saying that the world, the last recession that the world saw happened maybe in 2008. Uh, to 2013 with with the banks and everything and the thing that caused the recession last time was the banks and the lending and stuff like that and that was a world recession Mansa Musa created a recession in Egypt of gold and caused mass inflation for 12 years just from him passing through spending his money and like to try and uh upset some of that and try and uh combat some of that on his way back from his pilgrimage he borrowed as much gold as he could carry to try and help uh value the pre- uh, price up the value of gold <laughs> so in a way if you want to think about this quantify this into some sort of formidable picture in your head the amount of wealth that Mansa Musa had just on one person is almost equivalent to the the amount of power and money that the banks have in modern day and when this happened this was the only time in history when one single man controlled the value of gold because the mali empire and in fact uh, uh, became the biggest producer of gold and it was through his um pilgrimage to mecca where he acquired um the territory of Gao. I think I'm pronouncing that correct. It's spelled G-A-O. So Gao, I think it is, or Gao. Maybe I'm saying I'm probably butchering that, but that's how I pronounce it. Um within the uh Sengaya Kingdom, uh which extended his territory to the southern edges of the Sahara Desert, along with the Nigel River. Uh, And he would then go on to have spanned his territory, several territories, including current day, like I said right in the beginning, all of those countries, including Senegal, Gambia, Guinea, Niger, Nigeria, Chad, and uh, Maritana, including Mali. So his land was so far, so fast, vast. <laughs> and uh, Gao um, actually became a very important place uh, for Mansa Musa uh, because this territory um, is where he built uh, a, very, a lot of important mosques. Another really important place to Mansa Musa was Timbuktu 
which ca- became a very important city uh, for the king because he used his wealth to build schools, universities, libraries, and mosques there because as i was saying knowledge was really important to this king as much as as well as him him being a businessman uh, and a conqueror uh, and a tradesman he was also very knowledgeable and he invested into education and arts by um he built the uh the uh what's it called i i can't i don't know if i can pronounce this the Jingaraba Mosque. I pronounced this very incorrectly. I'm pro- probably sure, but it's spelled D J I N G U E R E B E R. So maybe I don't know. You've got pen and paper with you, or like you've got your notepad and you, <laughs> you can play back that like drop it back like 30 seconds and type it into your phone and spell it and try and pronounce it or just search on google and find like uh, someone or one of those things on google or another website where it there's an audio clip maybe it has on wikipedia sometimes and there's someone that says the word so you know what it's meant to sound like um and i heard that saying but i i still pronounce this word incorrectly because I don't know. I found it hard. Um, but I will keep trying. I'll try and get better, you know. And he built... Um, this... The, the mosque that he built, though, is one that has stood for more than 500 years. It's still standing today. And it's completely built from natural resources, from the land... Uh, the sand and everything kind of similar to the pyramids and yeah it, it, it's crazy to think that obviously now in now now times now times <laughs> talking about history messes up my brain <laughs> nowadays it's being affected by such things as like sand rot and stuff like that that's why it's uh such a protected site i believe in i think it was 2012 it was attacked um by terrorists who believed that it was against um it was a sin for it to stay standing um whatever that means but they tried to tear it down but they weren't fully successful because it's still standing now today but uh the the reason why the place the 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 place timbuktu is so affluently uh successful in trading salt and also um so powerful uh, knowledge wise is the university that he built there which housed over one million books and manuscripts making it one of the, the the biggest libraries in Africa and possibly the biggest library in the world at that moment in time since the Alexandra library burnt down. So that's, that's a bizarre thing to think about. There was so much uh, wealth, uh, culture and art and knowledge being passed around 
in Timbuktu uh, and around across the Mali Empire um, that his wealth has influenced and spread across the entirety of Africa on his voyage to Mecca and back again. So it's kind of as we come towards the end of the story of Musa Mensa, and like I said, I've only maybe scratched the surface of what there is. There's so much more to tell, but I need to keep this in the episode little spectrum. Don't want to go too far over the, the mark that I usually have put for myself <laughs> of around an hour. So <laughs> I'm breaking the creative fourth wall. <laughs> Anyway, um, I've got that random process or random collection of words out of my <laughs> my head. I will leave this uh, exploration of the great man that is Mansa Musa on the co- connection to modern day pop culture. Uh, and I think the closest connection to... Mansa Musa currently would be Black Panther um, because they both uh, protected their country, their empire sorry, from anyone who tried to attack them or attack their people. They were very protected of their people and generous of who lived amongst them and there was a lot of wealth there that he that they both spread amongst their people to see their people flourish through education and doing better through their actions. So, yeah, that is the part of the tale of Mansa Musa. And to get the rest, you know what you have to do. You have to go out there and search the knowledge (laughs) because I want to give you enough information in these episodes that it scratches your interest enough to maybe actually take more of an interest and look deeper into these things to inspire yourself through research or through learning, learning about the past because we can only grow through learning from what's come before us. Uh, we can grow better from learning from what they did in the past and how we can maybe emulate or maybe there's things that happened in the past that we do not need to copy and we need to figure out a better way of doing things. But if we continually go on the same track, then... I don't know, isn't that the definition of insanity? Doing the same thing over and over and seeing no results, but just continually doing it anyway. I think that we need to look at Mansa Musa as uh, someone to look up to, as an example that you can stick to your values and still achieve everything that you want to. Obviously, it helps if you're 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 fallen you have the wealth but you can come from nothing make the wealth and then do something with it instead of 
not figure it what you make on this earth is what i mean is like what you the money that you make you can't take to the other side with you it's only usable while you're here so why not make the most of that money by seeing what you can invest into where you come from to make so that someone else who in the future is in your position doesn't have to go through the such of the same hardships that you went through that's basically what i've learned that i learned from going through history that we can do things in a better way or we can achieve things that may seem impossible because it's been done before and it was impossible for them back then and they don't have half the technology that we have right now so yeah it's hella inspiring for me and for anyone that's listened to this episode about Mansa Musa I hope it's been hella inspiring for you but this is not the end of course I need to answer the question from the top of the episode what did the man that created Vaseline eat until his dying day well (laughs) if a lot of you view while listening and thought to yourselves hmm i wonder that thing that you were wondering yes maybe you wasn't wondering maybe you had no idea but the man who invented vaseline believed in vaseline so much that he ate a spoon full of vaseline every single day until the day he died so he would die he was alive for 96 years so for the entire time from the moment he was born not born obviously he didn't invent it when he was born but the moment from the moment he invented it until the moment he died he ate a spoonful of vaseline every single day um and yeah (laughs) i mean since I've, I've been talking about interesting people, he is another interesting person. The name of the man that invented Vaseline, his name is Sir Robert Augustus Cheeseborough. And he was born on January the 9th, 1837, and he died on September the 8th, 1933. And he was a scientist an American and an American chemist who discovered petroleum jelly, which he marketed as Vaseline or Vaseline. <laughs> Fun fact, he was born in London to American parents, but then he was raised in New York City. So he's kind of bilingual not bilingual multinational (laughs) so the first factory for vaseline was opened in 1870 and robert cheeseborough was the inventor of the product uh, the petroleum jelly which he named vaseline and this word was believed to come from um, the German word uh, Wasser, which means water, 
and oil. And it's also alleged that Queen Victoria was a huge fan of Vaseline and she used it on a daily basis. And she was so much of a fan that in 1883, uh, Robert Cheeseborough was knighted by Queen Victoria for his scientific accomplishment, um, which was Vaseline. Basically, he believed that Vaseline was like a miracle cure for like cuts and bruises. And all you had to do because of this clear liquid, all you had to do is rub it on like burns and cuts and it would be like, like a miracle cure. It would clean the cut and make you, make your cut uh, heal better. And that's why he believed in it so much that he ate a spoonful of it every day to protect him from whatever <laughs> could be um affecting him from the inside but he's a scientist from behind it so like he knows the reasons and it didn't hurt him but there you go now you know more about two things the creator of Ma- vaseline and the richest man to ever live in human history hope you've enjoyed the seventh episode of the more you know mondays and there will be more next week uh if you have enjoyed the show please follow us on all the social medias at my opinion means on facebook instagram instagram (laughs) instagram and twitter also check us out um on all streaming platforms we're not just on youtube we're also on spotify apple podcasts uh deezer uh tune in stitcher there's loads of places your favorite streaming podcasting platform i'm sure you can find the more you mo- the more you know mondays on there we're even on apple alexa so like if you wanted to I hope my one doesn't go off when I said that. <laughs> um, but if you wanted to speak to your Alexa, and um, I said that while looking at mine. By the way, I can learn your voice to improve your Alexa experience. Would you like to try it? No, Alexa. <laughs> well, that wasn't weird and scary. But like I said, it picked up. But you can speak to her and say the name of the podcast and it would play. Um, so, yeah, try that at home. And uh, if you've got any information, any episode quotes or anything that you want me to look into, episode quotes, any, anything from history that you want me to look into, please hit us up at myopinionmeans at gmail.com or on the social media. And, yeah that i will call the end of the episode thank you for listening and goodbye until next week